2: Two of hearts, two hearts that beat as one It's episode number 80 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man The world's most rootin' tootin' Eric Roberts-related podcast I'm Doug Tilly, and joining me as usual is the bell of the ball, Liam O'D. Oh my god, Liam, for the first time ever I screwed up your name Liam O'Donnell, how are you doing, Liam? I'm good, Doug, how are you? Oh, Liam, I hear your grumbly voice It really sounds manly and distinctive, and I, I love the sound of it what- What's going on with your voice today?
0: Oh, it, I don't know. I just felt like I wanted to to bring a little, uh, bring a little bit of my corpse grinder impression to your to your podcast.
2: What's this corpse grinder? Some sort of band? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's actually the stupid name of a singer of a band. Liam, yes. when you go to the movie theater, what part of the theater do you like to sit in? If I have my if I have my druthers, mm-hmm. I would like to be dead center. Uh, At a height, if it's a stadium, assuming we're talking stadium seating. Of course. At a a height where I can look straight forward at the screen. I don't want to look up. I don't want to look down.
2: I like straight forward. You don't want to give your neck that workout. You just want to be as passive as possible.
0: Yeah, no, don't get me wrong. That's ideal scenario. If I walk into a packed theater and I just need to get a seat, I'm not that picky. I don't want to be in the front row. I don't want to be in the back row. But, you know, everywhere else is pretty fine for me in in a good theater but if i I walk into an empty theater i can choose whatever i want i'm gonna do the best i can to to hit that dead center
2: what's the worst seat what's the worst seat in the house when you go to like a stadium seating style theater experience oh for me front row right front row at an angle like if you're
0: if you're in the front row on the right hand side no thank you
2: you know a movie i once had to sit front row to watch liam what what Uh, um I was hoping in the time that you were going to say what, I'd remember the name of it. What's the one? It's about this, the, the girl group singers, and there's three of them. And Anna Kendrick is the star of this series of films. And it also has Rebel Wilson. And I'm just going to keep giving you clues until we get to it. Uh, as I pitch said, Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. Pitch Perfect. <laughs> I saw that in the front row, Liam. And it was I felt overwhelmed by the screen. And I'm a very tall gentleman, as you know, but it felt like my neck. was was pitched upwards, and I was being – it was almost like a video drone situation. I felt like I was getting ready to reach in and caress the screen. And sometimes that felt like a very comfortable thing, but other times not so much. Hmm.
0: I saw the Truman Show in the front row.
2: That seems appropriate.
0: Yeah, it it was cool. I also um, made out with a girl, so I didn't really care. What was
2: her name? (laughs) That's all right. What? That's okay. No, no, okay, okay. You don't need to say her name. What was her first name? Uh, Carrie. Mm-hmm. And does she live in Philadelphia?
0: Uh, I don't know where she lives now.
2: Right? What, is she on Facebook? I don't know. This was more than twenty years ago, right? So what? Twenty-two years ago. <laughs> you ever just lie awake, Liam, wondering what could have been? Are we going to do a podcast? Will you tell me to shut up already? <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like we were getting somewhere important and I don't like to cut that kind of thing <laughs> off. Uh Liam, how's your child doing? <laughs> oh god damn it. <laughs> She's really great. Okay. Anyway, today's guest is a writer, festival coordinator, and man about town. And he's doing other stuff as well. It's Joe Yannick. How you doing, Joe?
1: Hey, I'm good, thank you. Uh, jo- thanks for having me on this uh mas-
2: hey, masochistic it's- show. <laughs> It's Look, this this is a, a freeform podcast. It has a general theme of Eric Roberts being the fucking man and the life and work of the actor Eric Roberts. But we can touch on all sorts of subjects, Joe. Like, Joe, I heard that you're a musician. Liam was telling me before we started that you are a legit punk, which is very exciting for me. I've always been uh, very curious about the punk lifestyle. What is it that makes someone a punk?
1: Oh, that's a that's a
2: hard question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love generally that you, you a lot of awful that. things. Awful, <laughs> awful. No, I don't yeah, think that's
1: true. It's, fi- it's filled with some pretty terrible people. Uh, I feel like I'm. I don't. I feel like Leon talked talked a big game. I feel like at one point in my life, I would I would be behind being a true punk. But I think I think I'm not anymore. <laughs> I don't know when that happened though.
2: Well, it sounds like because you were talking shit about punkdom, that maybe you're glad that you're not a punk anymore.
1: Nah, I still love it. <laughs> It'll never completely go away. It's just a silly thing. You hit a point at it. You had you had a certain age where you have to
2: realize it's pretty silly. Liam, I want you to come up with three different things, and then I want Joe to tell us whether they're punk or not. <laughs>
0: no, I'm not gonna do that.
2: Yeah, you do. Okay, I'm gonna start. Joe Fanzine's punk or not?
1: Oh, de- definitely punk.
2: Okay, now Liam, your turn.
0: Uh, spiky jacket.
1: I'd have to say probably punk, but double take at this point.
2: That's true. That's fair. Okay. How about how about Rancid, the band Rancid? Are they punk? Yeah, sure. <laughs> how about the band Sublime?
1: <laughs> the that's the that's the pinnacle. Oh, okay.
0: Oh. All,
2: all just trying to be Sublime. All right. Well, we're gonna try for the rest of this episode to be as punk as Sublime, Joe. What has your Eric Roberts story been since birth? Now, I know you like movies. I think you're a big movie guy. So you must be pretty familiar with the oeuvre of one Mr. Eric Roberts.
1: Yeah. And just like his career, he's just always been there.
2: He like it's a comforting thing, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, when you see him, you know, he's going to put in one of two performances, which is like actually quite incredible or pretty bad. But like in a junk food way where it's it's great. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't think he's ever like completely hit there ever for me, except for the probably the first time I saw uh Pope of Greenwich Village, which is probably a quite typical answer. But that was a performance that was just like wowed me. And I think that was a big film for my dad. So I think I saw that quite like very early on uh and that one kind of always resonated with me and i've seen it obviously a handful of times over the years and he really becomes like the standout as much as everyone else and you know mickey rourke is great and i think that he's really kind of like the heart soul of the film
2: joe do you remember that scene in the pope of greenwich village where eric roberts makes a giant sandwich yes (laughs) you ever make a giant sandwich joe
1: i haven't in a while uh but I used to make giant sandwiches all the time. I try I try to reduce my giant sandwich intake. I guess Although, so. like, that doesn't mean I'm healthy.
2: <laughs> well, I wasn't trying to accuse you of being healthy, Joe. Liam, have you ever made a Dagwood-style sandwich where you just stack it all on top? No. No? What's the biggest <laughs> sandwich you've ever eaten, Liam?
0: I've ordered a Dagwood-style sandwich. Yes, I... Pff, whatever, at okay. the, the famous Four Street Deli in Philly. They're, uh, they... I tend to do either the roast beef or the brisket there and uh, poof boy. it's a it's a big old sandwich.
2: What's more punk, Joe? Roast beef or brisket? Neither. I'm going to go with neither. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: I knew you're gonna say that.
2: <laughs> what's Liam, what's the most punk uh, uh sandwich meat?
0: Um the most punk sandwich would probably be uh hunger. I think hunger is the most oh, punk I see. thing see. Or bologna. Yeah, or bologna, like, that's true. Like fried uh, No, no, no. The most punk would be vegan bologna. If you could get something that's not real meat, but it's also trash meat, like <laughs> fake trash meat is the most punk thing you could
2: I eat. like Joe's answer. You know, I'm from Newfoundland in uh, Canada, which is the furthest eastern point of North America. It's something I like to p- promote as much as possible. Well, Newfoundlanders... In this country, in Canada, we all have a reputation, and the reputation is of a couple of things. One of them is that we're not very smart. That is the thing that people think about Newfoundland most of all. But the second thing is that we love fried bologna. They call it Newfie steak here in Canada. Liam, what do you think about that?
0: <laughs> I'm I'm sad for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is so depressing. <laughs>
2: Well we we are a distinct uh, uh uh original people but don't you think that's very punk of us to not only uh be uh, uh uh associated with fried bologna but for it to basically be the traditional thing that we eat in our garbage uh, province I guess I don't know you done with this I lost
1: track of the question <laughs>
2: I I, th- I thought it was a pretty clear question, which is what is the most punk sandwich meat. I don't see why you're getting all huffy about it, Joe. I'm just glad that
0: Joe's here to deal with this crap, and I'm not doing it by myself.
2: <laughs> Joe, you've recently, you know, we usually keep the plugging until the end of the show, but recently you've gotten involved with something that's very interesting, and I want you to talk to us about it. So I, I don't want to get any of the details wrong. You started a distribution company. Is this correct?
1: It's a sales company, actually. A sales that's company. A pretty, I... Yeah, that's a pretty common mix-up. No one really. Like it's not pretty. It's not that common for I guess like non-industry types to like talk about sales that often because it's like kind of a middleman thing. But yeah, essentially we started a company that's doing festivals and sales on genre titles, uh, mostly like films that exist within like art house and genre world. And yeah, we're called the Yellow Veil Pictures. So we launched just like two weeks ago. It's been really, really crazy.
2: Is and again, we uh, I don't want to get too deep into the plugging, but if if someone wanted to support this endeavor of yours. Is there is there a way for them to
1: do that? I mean, yeah, you can check us out what we're doing. Um uh yellowvalepictures.com is our website. I mean really like our business is like selling to distributors. So it's like kind of hard to like directly support us. Like but if you see our films and festivals or things like that, like go check them out. Obviously like we have a film called Lose. L-U-Z right now on the festival circuit that's really kicking ass. Um, We're doing festivals on The Ranger, which Jen Wexler uh, Mm. directed. It's her first feature. Um, We're doing, we just signed on. This is actually probably the first announcement of this, depending on when it goes up. But we just signed on to do festivals for a Tri-Coast Worldwide film called House of Sweat and Tears, which is Mm -hmm. this, like, super tense, slow burn that has an amazing payoff. Um, And, yeah, and we're going to be producing uh, Mike... Uh, Mike and Sam, uh, Mike Borowick and Sam, uh, uh, marine. sorry I'm blanking on names for a second Uh, they're doing a a film called uh, Desert Witch it's their second feature, they did a movie called Man Underground uh, two years ago which uh, blew me away so I'm really excited for sort of their new feature and we have one other film on the horizon called A Man in the Dark uh, which we're hoping to have premiered sometime early next year.
2: Well that all sounds very very exciting and I'm not being facetious I'm actually very proud of the work that you're doing. And it really sounds, I mean, again, I don't know much about the sales aspect of, uh, of, of, uh, film. I guess it's still part of distribution one way or another, mm-hmm. but it, the obviously both Liam and I are, are huge fans of genre cinema and, uh, and we love to see people getting involved in it in such a deep and, and sort of meaningful way. And also it seems like you're getting behind a lot of, uh, young and, uh, up and coming filmmakers. It just sounds really exciting.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely the point is like, we want to like really be championing like new voices. So a lot of first features, ideally like working with a lot of female directors, directors of color and things like that. Like, I mean, just, I mean, we just essentially see that there's a big gap in a lot of films being picked up. I mean, even outside of those things I just said, which I think are like sort of token, like things to say in in industry right now, but like, just like there's films that are just like really good films that are being overlooked. Um, and they play festivals but then they don't really do other things so you know we we saw sort of a gap there and figured we can fill it
2: well that's awesome and now i think it's time for us to talk about the latest eric roberts news on the roberts report It's the Roberts Report for episode number 80 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man And as per usual, we start with a deep dive on the man himself's Twitter feed You can follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, at Eric Roberts, all one word Uh, Back on July 20th, Eric Roberts tweeted What often happens soon after birth and not long before death? That's a question Diapers, booties, and boots too, I guess Hashtag no shame, hashtag just nature Now Liam, you have a young child uh sure. certainly this must uh, speak to you this tweet from uh, eric roberts what often happens soon after birth and not long before death diapers booties and boots
0: i don't quite understand what i i'm with you with diapers it's the riddle right? it's like the riddle of the sphinx right <laughs> yeah, sure <laughs> sure we're crawling you know what crawls in mm-hmm. the morning there you go. And, is, and is black and white and red all over? Ah, there you go. It's a skunk with a tomato
2: pie. A tomato pie? <laughs> Liam, you are adorable. No, but uh, Eric Roberts is making a, 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 an observation that right before death, we wear booties and boots too, I guess.
0: What, I, what are booties?
2: That's actually, I'm, I'm a little surprised to hear that. I think Joe is choking with surprise. Uh, at that question, booties are what uh, babies wear, right? You you like little shoes for babies.
0: Look, I know a pirate's booty, and I know dat booty, but I don't know nothing about no booties.
2: That's, okay, I'm gonna throw this over to Joe. Joe, certainly you've heard of this term booties uh, to refer to like a, like a young child's shoes.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, or or animals like a little like dog booties or something.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Or like uh, kitten mittens, that sort of thing. Those are like booties. Uh, maybe this is something that doesn't travel uh, outside of certain areas. You know how, Liam, this might be a, a surprise to you as well. Sometimes parents, the, 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 the shoes that their children wear as babies, they get them bronzed. Have you ever heard of this before? And th- those are usually their booties.
0: Oh, bronzed. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know why you wouldn't just call them shoes. We've always called them shoes. Maeve knows how to say the word shoes now because we say shoes all the time. She points at them. And she goes, shoes.
2: Joe, forgive the impertinence of this question. Do you have any children?
1: I do not.
2: Do you aspire to have children?
1: I don't think that I'll have children in my life. I mean, like, I'm not. I At a certain point in my life, I would have said definitely no. Now I'm like, probably not.
2: I hear that. And certainly, you know, my wife and I have had many conversations about this very topic, but I have to. Be honest. I don't think I have that pull within me to uh, to want to uh, take care of a young crying child. And honestly, I have a lot of respect for those who do have that pull, like like our friend Liam over here, Liam. And I think you're doing such a good job with with uh, with Mave. And I'm so happy to hear that she's saying the word shoes. It really is exciting. What's her favorite word to say, Liam?
0: Um,
2: probably mommy or uh oh. Uh oh, <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. Back on July 20th, Eric Roberts tweeted. Both David Duchovny and Jeffrey Dean Morgan knew Keaton Simons as a very little kid. Both, when they heard he was doing music, were of course skeptical, and both, when they heard the music, said, This is what he grew up to do? Wow! No words. Favorite music ever. Now, this takes a little bit of explanation to you, Joe. Keaton Simons is uh, Eric Roberts' uh, stepson. Uh and for those uh, who watched the episodes of Celebrity Rehab, uh at one point I guess Keaton Simons beat the shit out of Eric Roberts. Is that is that a story that you remember, Liam?
0: Yeah. So
2: <laughs> But was that real though? I couldn't tell if that was made up for
0: the you know, he was putting on an act. Uh,
2: at the very least it seems like they've really made up. But uh but I mean As musicians yourself, both you, Liam, and you, Joe, that must be really exciting if Jeffrey Dean Morgan and David Duchovny thought you were putting out the best music ever. That's a pretty high praise, don't you think, Joe? That seems like
1: incredibly high praise. Uh, I have to admit, sometimes Eric Roberts' language confuses me. I'm not always sure what he's saying.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, look. Like we said, Riddle of the Sphinx. Sometimes you have to dig. I mean, that's why, of course, we feature it here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So we can kind of pick it apart. We can find out the hidden messages. Joe, is David Duchovny punk?
1: Uh, David Duchovny is like my favorite person in the world. Oh, yeah? In my opinion, yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's incredible.
2: He's pretty. I think he's pretty great. He seems like he has a good sense of humor about himself. Uh, Liam, is David Duchovny still with Teo Leone? I have no idea. Liam, what do you think? I don't thoughts?
0: think so.
2: I think they broke up around his sex addiction. Liam, what do you think about sex addiction?
0: <laughs> it's not something that I think about a lot, actually.
2: All right, well, we're thinking and talking about it right now.
0: Um, I don't know. What do you think about sex addiction?
2: I don't know. I am I've I feel conflicted about it. I feel like sometimes people use it as an excuse to cover their indiscretions, but I also think that it, it's very possibly a real psychological condition. <clears throat> I'm,
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true that I, I've, I, I was trying to laugh this particular one off because mm-hmm. I'm like, this is not something I've really spent any time thinking about it. But now that you've got me thinking about it, it is true. Like it could function as a very convenient excuse. On the other hand, you know, I think people exhibit addictive behavior around a lot of things, yeah, right. you know, so what would make, what, what would make sex addiction less believable than say gambling addiction?
2: Absolutely. And, or, uh,
1: I think the th- please?: Oh yeah, I was going to say, I think the thing about like sex addiction is most people think of sex and they're like, "Hell, yeah, but like when you're a sex addict, it's not like a positive thing in your life. right. So I think like that's the hard thing to, to grasp is like with gambling, like we've all won and lost. But I feel like just with sex, our relationship with it is like generally like a positive thing, or it's like a desirable thing. So when someone's like, "Man, I'm having so much of this that it's a problem, it's like hard for people to even fathom. But it's right. like it goes beyond that like simple pleasure thing. It's like not even about pleasure. It's about like just like a fixation with it that you can't even enjoy the moment. And that has to be like pretty fucking awful.
2: Yeah, you would think mm-hmm. so. And, and seeking help for it must be really difficult too, right? Again, because of the social pressures, which suggest that sex, oh, that's always a good thing. So. You know, if you're getting a lot of it, that scene is a good thing as well. So the idea of someone intentionally trying to find a way to break that cycle would be, you know, depending on the group that you surround yourself, be seen as, well, I mean, we we know the type of people that are out there who would mock that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The RZA and Eric Roberts. Wait, let me try that again. <clears throat> the RZA. Liam, the RZA. Sure. The Rizzo and Eric Roberts, they join a movie called Hard Luck Love Song. Yes, the famous rapper, The Rizzo, I guess he's more of a producer. Well, he's a rapper as well, and also a director, very talented man, actor as well. We uh-huh. also saw The Man with the Iron Fist. Liam, what'd you think of that movie? Uh, It's pretty good. It's not It's not very good, unfortunately. Uh, I like it, actually. You know what, I mean, yeah, it's, now that you familiarize yourself with the work, the work of the Shaw Brothers, Liam, go back and tell me that that's a reasonable movie, because it is not.
0: <laughs> I mean, reasonable. I know, but I enjoyed it when I saw it in the theater.
2: Joe, do you have any thoughts on that? The Man with the Iron Fists.
1: I've never seen it, so I don't have any thoughts. I I probably have to agree with Doug, but I don't know. That that's like a ignorant
0: comment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Agreeing with me is never an ignorant comment. It's just the sensible I mean, side you I mean, take.
0: Look, look on the scale of um, the thirty six Chambers of Shaolin to something like science crazed. You know, it's it's better than science craze.
2: Don't mock the movies I enjoy, Liam. I really appreciate it if you <laughs> wouldn't do that. Actually I do want to tell you a funny story about the RIZA. Uh and this actually plays into what you were just saying. On the DVD version of the thirty six chamber of Shaolin, there is a commentary by the RIZA, and he is paired with Bay Logan, who we of course now Despised because he apparently was providing women for Harvey Weinstein, and it's completely destroyed his career. Goodbye, Bay Logan. But the RZA is there, and there's a part you might remember in that movie, Liam, where uh, Gordon Liu he trains his eyes. It's one of the the uh, chambers where he has to look back and forth without touching some incense on the side of his head. Do you remember that sequence? Uh Risen suggested that when his daughter came to him and she was having vision issues, that instead of getting glasses, that she should do that—that she should train her eyes by watching a uh, a candle go back and forth while putting her head between two pieces of incense. What do you think about that? Did that work out? Did it work? I don't think she went. I think he says in the commentary that she did not heed. So I guess that she ended up just getting glasses instead.
0: Well, good for her.
2: Wu-Tang Clan member and filmmaker RZA and Eric Roberts will co-star opposite Michael Dorman, Sophia Bush, Dermot Mulroney, Melora Walters, in Hard Luck Love Song. The Americana music-inspired indie hails from Synthetic Pictures and Dyebox Entertainment. But that's pretty exciting. Eric Roberts and the RZA. Uh Are you a fan of the Wu-Tang Clan, Joe? I'm actually not. No? I've not- like never connected with their
1: music. I don't know if that's going to make me like persona non grata or not, but
2: well, I mean, Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Uh, fandom—they tend to be very pro woo uh, I don't know how they're going to take to that. <laughs> <laughs> I also heard that the Wu Tang Clan has nothing shock, to fuck with. That doesn't shock me
1: because I feel like the Wu Tang's
2: audience is
1: very white, and I feel like also this podcast audience is very white. Oh
2: my goodness! I, I feel look if you are a person of color and a fan of Eric Roberts as the fucking man, please reach out to us. Prove Joe wrong or prove that he is absolutely one hundred percent correct. Because well, I also should reinforce uh, that this ha- this particular podcast does not have a very large audience in general. <laughs> But I'd like to think we're a little more diverse than that, wouldn't you, Liam?
0: Uh I mean I I I personally think that the Wu Tang's audience is more diverse than ours. Okay. But
2: okay. I mean that's fair enough. Uh but what is your favorite Wu Tang joint, uh Liam?
0: Oh, I'm I'm really a first record guy. I, you know, uh the I don't know I'm not trying to say like diminishing returns per se but that first record really was like really important um, both in the kind of the style that they brought but also the production and things like that but as time went on especially as they got sort of distracted into other projects like the solo projects and stuff just got to be a little excessive and I don't know I'm really just sort of I like that heyday thing now you know Jesus records okay (laughs) um,
2: <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you This is the, the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Slash Wu-Tang fandom Are going wild For all of his detail right now. <laughs> Anyways Just say I'm, protect like your to... neck What? That's just What? Just say it Say protect your neck Why would I say that? So I can move on To the next article
0: We'll just keep going
2: Alright Hollywood actor wants to play a Putin advisor. This is at filmjournal.com. It's uh, an article about Eric Roberts. It says that Hollywood actor Eric Roberts wants to play a role in a possible movie about the current relationship between Ukraine and Russia. He told local news outlet Radio Svoboda, During the Odessa Film Festival, which we mentioned on the most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. In particular, he explained he would like to play an advisor of Russian President Vladimir Putin. This could be a movie like Three Days of the Condor, uh, Roberts said. I would like to play someone Putin needs, for example, someone who arranges meetings for him. A Putin advisor. Now, Joe, I know that you're a a political thinker. Uh, It's actually one of the things that I most respect about you. What do you think about uh, about a film about Vladimir Putin starring Eric Roberts? Two thoughts. First
1: unrelated to your question but i just have to admit i love that he thinks up a putin film and does not put himself as the star (laughs) (laughs) or i mean maybe it's the star but he does not put himself as putin he puts himself as just an advisor like i think that's so wonderful
2: (laughs) sorry this next quote is quite something roberts reportedly said he admires putin And this this is a quote. And this is not about how much money he has, but about his path to his current position. Roberts commented. Now, uh, Liam, I don't pretend to be. (laughs) (laughs) I don't pretend to be an expert on Vladimir Putin, Liam. But my understanding is that he murdered his way to the top.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, Eric Roberts likes people who who go for what they want. I guess.
1: Yeah, he's like, I want to. I just want to make this clear. It's absolutely for the
2: worst reasons that I admire. Him. <laughs> it says, nevertheless, the movie Roberts wants to participate in would not be about the feelings of Putin or the feelings of Ukrainians. The actor claimed it would be about money. As. With money, one can buy power and freedom," he explained. Uh, so uh, I guess we'll be uh, keeping an eye out for a Vladimir Putin, perhaps biopic, uh, some rise to the top style uh, uh, film uh, with a supporting role by one <laughs> Mr. Eric Roberts. Very excitingly, and would would you watch a movie like that?
0: I mean, I would kind of have to, right?
2: Why is that? blood oath. We did make a blood oath to watch the uh, life and work of actor Eric Roberts. Recently added to the ever expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is the TV series or web series more accurately, Anatomy of an Antihero for Redemption. Um now this is uh <laughs> recently as I mentioned added to the IMDb. This is the fourth series of a web series, an action-based web series. The first season is uh, to my knowledge on Amazon Prime. I think it's about 30 minutes long. And it features in a single episode Eric Roberts as a character named Brooke. I have to say that most of the information I found about this web series online is particularly badly written. It's just hard to understand what it's all about. But this uh, this gives you a bit of a summary. The series is about... Frank Dinard, a man forced to serve an eight-year prison sentence for a crime he did not commit. He is finally released from prison, only to discover he is suffering from a brain tumor. Dr. Van Koppen, who uh, works for a government program, becomes his doctor and uses Frank as a guinea pig, testing a new drug on him, which should kill the tumor while giving him heightened strength and power. Uh, I think it's the, it was filmed in France, or at least the first season was filmed in France. Uh, action web series, Liam, with Eric Roberts. What do you think? That sounds great. Joe, what's your favorite action movie?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. I don't know. That's hard. Um, I'm just going to say this is not really my favorite, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Stone Cold, because I love it. Stone it's fucking awesome. Stone, Stone Cold, Cold with yeah. the
2: boss, Brian Bosworth, uh, who's also appeared, I think, a number of times with Eric Roberts in faith-based movies.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I have no interest in that, but he's <laughs> fucking awesome
0: in Stone Cold.
2: Liam, what's your favorite action movie?
0: I prefer martial arts films to standard American action movies. That's perfect. So I want to say like, you know, um, probably a Jackie Chan movie, you know, honestly. Oh,
2: the famous uh, Jackie Chan movie. <laughs> uh,
0: but, well, because I'm, then then I'm trying to think like, well, do I want to say like a super cop or do I want to say like a... Um, Drunken
2: Master 2? Yeah, that's what you want to say.
0: Draw, maybe Dragon Master 2, but I also really like what is it? Project A, the yeah. mm-hmm. the sequel, the Armor of God All sequel. Right. I really like, or um, First Strike, or yeah. So there's a lot of those. But then I'm like, oh, but do I want to do like an exploitation action movie? Like I really like those too. I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I think if I'm going to, Die Hard. Well, I was going to say if I'm going to go with <laughs> a standard American action movie, it's probably going to be Die Hard because I just really like Die Hard, but.
1: It's the best, like, average answer. It, it checks all boxes.
0: Yeah.
2: Liam just, he, that's because you're so punk, right, Liam, that you just can't bring yourself to say something that everyone could agree with.
0: No, it's not that. It's that, like, when you ask me something like that and I, I, I could just rattle something off, but my brain won't let me. Like, my brain goes, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that. What is my favorite action movie? Well, and it's just that I, like, I want to figure it
2: out. Well, 1991's Lonely Hearts... Starring Eric Roberts and Beverly D'Angelo We're going to talk about that after our first break We'll be right back For the con man who steals her money After after seducing her Frank doesn't want Alma around him But he cannot do anything about the situation In case she goes to the police Hot on the trail of the two Is a female private detective Working for another of Frank's victims Ooh, that sounds exciting It's 1991's Lonely Hearts Directed by Andrew Lane Uh, He also produced the movie Valley Girl and Night of the Comet His latest movie uh, I put a poster up for both of you to take a look It's called Trainwreck Liam, give me a one word review of this poster
0: Ooh! Oh, <laughs> um, photoshopy. <laughs> um, but weirdly, like, is this a brick wall in the background? I believe it's a brick wall. It the the coloring on it, it feels like um, there's like a a drunk adobo feel. Like this is a movie about being in Albuquerque and being really drunk.
2: Maybe it is. the The slogan is "Hitting the wall hurts."
0: Oh my gosh. And, and- I, I like that they're also, there's two characters in the poster that are, they're very small. Their photos are very small and they've been faded out a little bit. Like they're like part of the wall, you know? Yeah. Sort of like we're all faded out a little bit. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, we are. I think we're kind of faded out. I don't know about you. Anyway, uh, this film was co-written by R.E. Daniels, whose only other credit on IMDb is an episode, Liam, of Rugrats, the Nickelodeon show Rugrats, the episode Chucky's First Haircut slash Cool Hand Angelica. Uh, And I guess, in this case, it wasn't even a uh, uh, writing uh, the episode. It was the idea for the segment, Chucky's First Haircut. Joe, that's pretty exciting. Were you a fan of Rugrats? Oh, a big fan. (laughs) I definitely
1: saw that episode.
2: Oh yeah. Well, how about the Nickelodeon thing all the What was your favorite Nicktoon? Damn. Mhm. Uh Doug, Doug, right? Doug was on uh, Yeah, Doug. I appreciate that. I feel personally connected to that cartoon in certain ways. Liam, did you feel that Doug lost its quality after it moved to ABC? I didn't know Doug moved to ABC. I believe that that's that was the case. I'm not actually 100% on that one.
1: Yeah, it was it was Disney for like a season.
2: Yeah,
0: Hmm. I
1: thought I thought that season was fine. It's okay. It's not as good, but it's. I didn't. I didn't
0: really grow up with that. That's. wasn't really a part of my life.
2: Is is it, Joe? Is Liam a little older than you?
1: I think he's at least a year older than me.
2: Is that right, Liam? Then, then Joe, I
0: think I'm significantly (laughs) older than, than both of
2: you. What's Okay, this is this is a question I really want to get both of your takes on. At what age is it no longer okay to be a punk? Starting with you, Liam uh as far as i can
0: tell there is no such age okay joe do you agree i agree with that
1: with the stipulation that there's ages where you can stop acting punk in certain
2: ways okay please can you elaborate yeah, on that That's I true. i want to hear some elaboration like
1: i can't be a 50 year old man going to a band in a live setting like respect if you are but like i don't know like that seems weird that seems too much for me
2: have you ever seen live, either of you, a punk band that's held on a little too long and it seems a little sad or pathetic on stage? Liam, starting with you.
0: You know, I actually haven't because if I know a band is that old and I suspect that's what my experience will be, I just won't go. Mm. But, what um, if it was like
2: a, but it could have been a fave as a kid, right? And They just were already a little older even when you got into them. Oh, no, I've been
0: skeptical. I've been a skeptical. In fact, it took it it takes a while of people telling me like I was very skeptical of seeing negative approach because I just assumed they would be bad. And it turns out I was wrong. Uh, They're actually still pretty good, even though they're way old.
2: How about you, Joe? Ever uh, ever go to a concert of a band that you're a big fan of and then just be disappointed because they just looked aged and ragged?
1: Yeah, constantly. Like tons. I really, I really, I'm suspecting of Liam's answer that he's never seen a band because I feel like that dude's gone to this is hardcore more than once.
0: Okay, but I'm trying to think if there's anyone who's <laughs> played who I was like, the only band that ever played that felt kind of old to me was like sick of it all, but that wasn't a surprise because I knew, like, I knew that already. You know what I mean? It wasn't like a, I went all stoked and I was like, oh no, this isn't what I was expecting. I just don't. Okay. I think if I know, like, if someone's like, let's go see what's more likely to happen is everyone else goes to see, for example, the adolescents. And they're like, oh, the adolescents are really great. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know. And it turns out I'm wrong. They actually apparently were great. I skipped the adolescents. I skipped Poison Idea. I mostly skip older bands because I just assume it's going to be bad. And then I'll let people tell me later if I should have gone or not.
2: Liam, I, right. were, were you were yeah, a fair. Liam, were you a scene kid? What does that mean? I guess it's I, oh, uh, I, I guess it's a kid that uh, is often very music savvy. I'm looking at a definition online and who claimed that music is their life. Have you ever claimed that music is your life? I don't think so. Okay, well, the movie *Lonely Hearts*. Features Eric Roberts as the character of Frank, the con man in the description. And then it has the, uh, from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, of course in other roles as well, Beverly D'Angelo as Alma. Now Alma in this movie has recently lost a significant amount of weight. Uh, she's She goes to sort of a Weight Watchers-esque program. She's lost a lot of weight, and she's lonely. She lives with her grandmother, and she... Uh, Going through the the sort of Lonely Hearts column She encounters Eric Roberts Who is a con man who tries to con her out of her money And the most interesting part of this movie Is that once she discovers that she's been conned She actually tracks him down And then joins him on his future cons Let's get your general thoughts on this movie Before we get into a little more detail Starting with our guest who chose this movie for us Said, you know what guys, this one looks like a great pick What did you think, Joe, of 1991's Lonely Hearts?
1: I mean, I'm a little mad at myself. I went through and kind of looked at what films you guys had and chose. And I went to like earlier because I was like, you know what? It probably took him a while to get to the crap. This movie proved, proved that hypothesis wrong. <laughs> uh, I was not a fan of this movie. And even more so, it just made me depressed to know how many movies of this caliber you guys are forced to watch.
2: Not forced, Blood Oath. Blood oath. Mm-hmm. So what is it? What what didn't you like about it? What what uh, what didn't appeal to your sensibilities? It might be quicker to talk about what I like. Let's hear it. What did you like about it?
1: The score for about 15 seconds <laughs> before it repeated itself a hundred times. Uh, I generally like Derek Roberts in it, actually. I mean, he's fine. Be, he plays exactly the same role he's played in like a million things, but he's fun in it. He's... uh. He's still, like, not letting go of being, like, a good actor yet, so I think there's, like, know. <laughs> some, like, vibrance in him. I think that at a certain point, he he starts to, like, have two different uh, reactions in films. Like, he has films that he cares about and films that he clearly checks. Uh, but I feel like at this point, he hasn't gotten to that point yet. Which is kind of interesting to see on screen
2: You're talking about a friend of mine and um... <laughs> <laughs> I know, you guys have met I forgot <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, I think it's, it's safer to say uh, Because he is a friend of both Liam and myself That there are movies that he has more time to prepare for And there are movies that he shows up for a day And then they, you know, they use that footage Throughout the entire movie And there's a lot of those second examples Especially ones that we've covered recently Isn't that right, Liam? Yeah, there's a few there is a few, Liam. What did you think of Lonely Hearts? Is that what this movie's called?
0: <laughs>
2: Lonely I Hearts. That,
0: I feel like that was a pretty good uh, representation of what I thought, which is, I mean, on the scale of bad things,
2: it's not so bad. It's not so bad. You know, um, uh, Liam, it, it, a fellow Canadian, uh, Drake, he says bad things, there's a lot of bad things. God's plan. <laughs> I sure, mean, no, I if that. Yeah. if I
0: was, I mean, I if I was gonna put us on a scale, mm-hmm. this movie's not nearly as bad as Drake. So, Ba-boom. <laughs> <laughs> Um No, I mean, it's 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 not terrible, but is it fully entertaining? It is also not that it, it's it's uh, a kind of a sordid plot. Um, it's not clear, really. I mean, so the the movie sort of suggests that. Um, Beverly D'Angelo's character is desperate right. a little bit, um, partly maybe because she just got through this overeating program. I think partly it's it's more suggesting that she is kind of replacing the, her addiction to food with this sort of dangerous, bad Absolutely. boy, Eric Roberts. But uh, but what's weird is we don't get enough of Eric Roberts to care. Like, he's not particular. I mean – he's an attractive man. I'll give it that. But the idea that he's inspired something in her where she's willing to like walk the line, it doesn't then work for the rest of the movie in which there are multiple times where she's kind of tries to convince him to like get a job and be a normal dude. Sure. And I kind of, I thought the whole point was that she wanted this exciting, dangerous, you know what I mean? Like in in other words, her reticence, like, at first she kind of jumps into the grift and she wants to be part of the grift, Sure, but then she's immediately jealous that he is, uh, you know, that sex is also part of the grift. Right. And, and I get that. Like, it's not that I don't believe she would be jealous, but she doesn't seem excited about being part of the, the con. Hmm. And then I don't understand why she did like, is the idea that she never really wanted to be part of that life, but she just loves him that much. Well, I don't feel like we see enough of that there's just not enough to support that. So to me, it, what would move it forward and would make more sense is if she was stoked, like, yeah, I'm also about that life. And instead she's kind of bummed on it from day one. She's really bummed on it. And it makes the rest of the movie, uh, their relationship not make sense, which then makes the rest of the movie not interesting. Cause really, as Joe said, not that much happens. It's, you know, they have a few griffs. They try to get out of it when one of them goes wrong and, and, uh, they they uh, m- basically murder someone and hide the body, and then it turns out that that's, that's going to happen again, and then they get caught by uh, the PI. Who uh, <laughs> I don't understand. She's whatever. They, they, it it kind of it loses it loses steam, and I lose interest. And I you know I I want to be into it because on the realm of Eric Roberts' performances. It's not bad actually, but we'll talk about uh, Eric
2: Roberts in just a moment. I was actually please, yes.
0: But it's not there's not much there to engage with, even though I think it's the movie's trying really hard also to be super sexy there's a lot of these sex scenes yeah and
2: it's, it's, you know, it's the time uh, that it was made right this is erotic thriller era right. of, of hollywood right this is basic instinct time this is i mean we've we've covered a few films that eric roberts made around that time that are very much in that that erotic mold though they do kind of feel tacked on here to some extent joe i want to throw it over to you for a second i know it's been a little while since you watched the movie describe to me the circumstances that lead to the first murder in this movie Okay,
1: yeah, so that's where I want to, like... <laughs> first off, I want to give a little uh, a note to listeners. This is not an erotic thriller. No. There's nothing thrilling about this movie. <laughs> I read Poor Erotic Man. Thriller, and I got excited. And I was waiting for the thrills to happen, and there is not a thrill to be found. <laughs> but I can't believe I'm about to, like, defend this movie, but... I actually think there's more logic to it than Liam's giving credit for. I think that Beverly's character is completely into it until the moment suddenly Eric Roberts starts only hooking up with very beautiful rich right, women. Because right. that's a big difference. Like in the early scenes, he's only like hitting up like old women. And then suddenly he just starts, he hits the cash mine of like four or five like beautiful women. But yeah, the moments leading up to the murder are just like. <laughs> I don't know. He just like lightly. Pu- he like. I mean, he like pushes her, and then she just does that thing where she falls into a glass and dies <laughs> immediately upon impact. <laughs> we did. Which a- I've never. I don't think is ever possible in life,
2: but <laughs> at least she didn't suffer. Let me elaborate. Oh, he punches her right. Well, he punches her. Well, let me elaborate a little bit. So he has been grifting and has a, has a seduced this woman to get her money, right? And in these grifts. Beverly D'Angelo's character is his sister. So this woman that he is trying to... This woman shows up unannounced at his apartment and finds, discovers the two of them in the shower together having sex. She is disgusted and lashes out as one might. And in the fracas, she falls through the glass... Partition of of the shower and dies. Liam, she fucking dies. She does. She dies. He punches her. Right? He does punch her. I think like, there's. I mean, I I, I hate the, the even the implication here, but it just seems like there's a lot of, of of limbs being thrown around, and she also seems like very very upset about the whole him having sex with his sister thing. Um, and and you know, I, actually, I guess that 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 does pose the question, Liam. Was Eric Re- Roberts responsible for this woman's death? And by Aaron Roberts yes. I mean the character he played in this movie. <laughs> I think he, the actor as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know under what circumstances he wouldn't be responsible for her death.
2: Well what is this? Is is this first degree murder, second degree murder?
1: I think this <sighs> is second degree. Because it's not premeditated, but he straight up punched her into a shower door that broke and then she died. I, I so. think that's I think that's clear cut case of manslaughter.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, I mean, so it's it's established fairly early on that this guy, well that I mean, the circumstances in this case were mostly accidental. They it was not premeditated. They did not plan to kill this woman. A little bit later on, there uh, another grift goes wrong and a woman tries to call the police and she also uh uh has a uh, violent incident with Eric Roberts and he just like murders her straight away. Is that right, Liam? <laughs>
0: Yeah, is he. I think he strangles her. Is that yeah. correct?
2: Yeah, he strangles. Yeah. her. I think he like holds some sort of thing. Anyway, he does. He absolutely strangles her to death. I will say that his response to this murder, where he is like very freaked out, very kind of hyper and manic about the whole thing, I I I thought that that was some of Eric Roberts' best acting in this movie. Uh, I really like when he gets like overwhelmed, simply because mm-hmm. we've seen him play so many cool characters, and even in this movie, he's like cool as a cucumber through a lot of it, right? And he's also got to like. As as shit is setting on fire around him, he's got to cool all of it off. So I, I like to see him freaked out. And I think that, you know, that's the the part of this movie I like, except there's almost none of that. For the most part, this is just the same thing over and over. Before we started recording, Joe, I, I compared the plot of this to like a Lifetime movie. Do you think that's accurate that this is just a, it's it's a Lifetime movie with sex scenes with like explicit sex scenes?
1: I I think that's maybe not saying enough about Lifetime movies. They generally have thrills, have cohesive plot points that bring you just narrative justification in some way uh, and actually have real catharsis in them. <laughs> this movie lacks most of those elements it it does exist. you were right to say it has a beginning, middle, and end. uh I think you said that before we recorded, but I don't think it's much else, but yeah, i mean it it's like it's like a it's trying to be a lifetime movie almost and failing.
2: Now, of course, when we say Lifetime movies, we're not talking about the Stocked by My Doctor series 1, 2, and 3, which we've covered here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, and our new classics, right, Liam? Oh, yeah, totally. I was going to say that uh, I
0: feel like Joe is being very generous uh, to Lifetime movies if we're thinking about things like... Uh, the wrong roommate, <laughs> or uh, what was the other wrong one we had to watch? Those were <laughs> fucking painful. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I mean, there's this. It's a it's a wide spectrum of quality over there on the Lifetime sure. network, which is yeah, why we love it right. so much. Joe Beverly D'Angelo, yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Same question over to you, Liam. Yeah, hell yes. Liam, what do you like about Beverly D'Angelo?
0: that's a good question i don't know i i mostly know her (laughs) well because i mostly i mostly identify her with national lampoon Mm -hmm. oh yeah Uh, but i feel like that's not fair she has a a career beyond that but i don't know how many of those things i feel like maybe has she done some horror movies that i've seen her in i don't what is what
1: what film does she like furiously masturbate in is that legion or um not legion fuck
2: was that american history x sorry Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, I think she furiously masturbates in every film she's in. Though.
2: Oh, I know no. the one that you're talking about. Yeah, the one with Chris Sarandon. You no, know, uh, yes, with Chris yeah. Sarandon. Uh the yeah. not the entity. What's the fucking one I'm trying to think of? Because uh, he's got that mustache in it.
0: The Sentinel. The
2: Sentinel. That's yeah. it. She does yeah, furiously true. masturbate.
0: That's in- what I said. I told you. I knew her from a horror movie. The Sentinel.
2: Yeah, she's great in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if she has a speaking part in that, but she is great in it. <laughs> <laughs> she, she has
1: some lines. She does.
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah, Beverly D'Angelo, I think she's pretty good in this. Though it's a, a pretty thankless role because she has to go from being desperate to to having a sense of confidence in this, these grips. But we kind of just see her be desperate throughout the whole thing until she develops this relationship—very brief relationship—with this private detective who kind of. Lures her away from this this toxic relationship, and then things end bloodily, Liam, unexpectedly bloodily. Uh, when, uh, when Eric Roberts comes to confront her. In fact, maybe let's talk about the ending of this movie because, Liam, you were saying before that you thought things ran out of steam, that you lost interest before the ending. Did, did, did you at least did you perk up again once you saw that there was a standoff between Beverly D'Angelo, between Eric Roberts, between, between this detective, and, and Beverly D'Angelo's aged grandmother who also might be a racist? What did you think about that?
0: <laughs> I mean, I liked, I, I like in essence uh the idea that she uh kills eric Roberts, right that that is that is the ending that in theory i want but i feel like the way it was executed was kind of bloodless and i mean i i guess for me i i wanted more and i think you had mentioned this too i just wanted more of their life as grifters yeah i just feel like immediately it, to me it felt like pretty quickly this is about her trying to change him uh and i would just have liked to have seen more of her like having a lot of fun and and them doing this thing together and then the change because he's right. clearly a monster because i think the the way that it, it operates now it it's just not clear I, I guess what what it is is for me personally there's a moment at the very end where he says ever since i met you you know my life's been on a downward spiral right and i and i want the movie to show that that's clearly not true right because in my mind i want that character to be nothing but a monster but the way the movie kind of functions she she kind of like latches onto him uh and you know, from there, he's a monster, but he's been kind of a mo- you know what I mean, like, I, I guess I-, I want there to be something like there's some hope and then he turns out to like, you know, betray that. Whereas right now, it's kind of like, man, why is she even interested in this? filthy awful dude like there's there's just nothing again not his performance but the char- the way the character's written there's just nothing that works for me as far as like why anyone is interested in him once they know who he is i get why people are grifted by him right but she sees the the facade and and she's still into it i i just I, it never really clicked for me why that was the case
2: it's also i should also mention to listeners who haven't seen this film uh, and it's actually kind of hard to, to track down it, it, that the grifting in this movie because of the of the form it takes is not that interesting to watch right I mean it all takes the right. same form it's all it's all real estate where he's trying to get people to invest in real estate and he basically takes their money under ten thousand dollars and then moves on to the next con and uh and i mean that's if it was that was just one of them and then the next one was like a different character that he puts on and it's some other other kind of big uh uh plan some big scheme that would be interesting but in this case it's just a cycle of the same old and it's hard to get too involved or it kind of feels like something that was based on a true story don't you think simply because yeah. it's not that interesting so it's like yeah. this has to come from real life what did you think of the ending of this joe uh, i
1: barely remember it to be honest um
2: there's guns all over the uh, place
1: Lots yeah, of people I,
0: with revolvers i think
1: i just stopped caring about the, about what happened <laughs> yeah. to these people by the end i agree with liam uh but i think i i don't want them to be happier like I want it to be like, I think there's two ways to rewrite this movie. Either you go full throttle into like the neo-noir 90s and you just make the movie about Eric Roberts and he meets this, and he's grifting people, but he's just doing it like sort of like piecemeal. And he meets this like beautiful, seductive lady and she fucking ramps him up and then it becomes dangerous. Like that's one way. Sure. And then the other way is you do follow her, but she is, she accidentally kills the woman in the shower because then there's real tension because now she's been drawn into it and now he plays a psychological game where he's forcing her to stay with him because she's now murdered someone and she has to get away um but they just play it in the middle and they're just like this like weird movie where she can like kind of come and go as she pleases there's no tension when she could leave at any time yeah yeah and and we don't really believe she's like totally in love with this man.
2: Yeah. It, not only could she leave at any time, like he would in some time, in some ways prefer for her to leave because they you know, the, the whatever uh, moments where they say that they love each other, that you're right. It's hard to believe that there's, right. that there's real passion there, especially because most of what we see is them just kind of raging at each other in some form or another.
0: Um, I also just don't understand real estate. I mean, I, I think <laughs> there's a, there's just a part of me that every time he'd be saying this thing, I'm like, I can't imagine what he's saying <laughs> over these lunches that I'm going to give him fucking $5,000. I wouldn't give this guy a hundred bucks, let alone $5,000. But I was like, maybe I just don't understand real estate. Maybe people who know real estate are like, I don't know. He's got a good pitch. A Char- good pitch. Charles Napier you know, shows up for a second.
2: Clearly, they were they What's up? Oh, I was just saying that Charles Napier shows up for a second having that exact uh-huh. attitude that Liam just said. Oh, yeah.
1: and they're also clearly scams like right. it's like you could not more obviously be like oh you wouldn't want to be involved in this like like it's <laughs> he's so obviously baiting it's like that's why it's also boring um and yeah i don't know it's you also don't really get any seduction like these women just want to I'll fuck him immediately. And like Eric Roberts is a good looking guy, but Eric Roberts isn't I need to fuck you immediately, good looking. In my opinion. Maybe maybe he is. I don't know.
2: I I do know some friends at the show <laughs> who tweet at me incessantly who might disagree with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I will I, I I personally do think of him as an attractive person and thought that the one thing that kind of worked was that this is not a movie with a lot of beautiful people in it in my mind so the idea that like for some people he might show up and just be sexy is kind of convincing in some ways if there wasn't the added five thousand dollars that he's getting from everyone it's like wait you're gonna fuck him and give him money it just like felt like too much to me unless he was super charming and honestly the better part of his performance is when he's sleazy in this not when he's trying to be charming because when he's trying to be charming it doesn't feel real charming it's like a step away from star 80 and it's like not it's not like a real to me charming vibe where i'm like oh yeah he's really fooling these women i'm like gosh these women they're just written to be like Oh my god, here's my money. Let's do it. You know, it's just it, there's no he, he there's no scene of him like really showing whatever it is he's fucking supposed to be good at.
2: It I'm glad they established right from the beginning that he is a sleaze ball, right? So there's no right. we're never supposed to take that charm very seriously but i mean that does bring us to the topic of eric roberts and his performance in this movie now you mentioned already joe that you thought that you know this is one of his stock characters to some extent and certainly around this time period he was playing a lot of sleaze and i'm glad that you brought up star 80 because in some moments you know this does remind you a little bit of that except maybe not quite as intense and not quite as sort of uh, cocaine fueled or whatever uh but this is still you know eric roberts sleazy manic Uh, uh, totally in control, but just just on the verge of out of control. Joe, what generally, uh, aside from your remarks earlier, what did you think of this performance? Do you think he is the highlight of this movie?
1: I'd say that he puts in the best overall performance. I think that Beverly D'Angelo is a great actor. I don't think that she's putting in her best work here. So I do think that Eric Roberts is the most consistent in the film.
2: Uh, Liam, I do. I, I want to get your thoughts on the same sort of topic. I mean, this is a lot more Eric Roberts than we've gotten in some of our recent uh, the movies that we've covered on this show. I mean, he he is the star of this movie. Uh, what do you think of his performance?
0: I thought it was strong. I mean, I, I think that uh, this is a little bit of a of a stock thing for him, but it's one that I enjoy. Like, I think he is good at showing this kind of character who vacillates between very um, sure of themselves and then suddenly very insecure. Um, And, and this is a little more edgy. He's got a little more anger there, but, but when he, the second murder, when he has that freak out, um, that was, I thought very compelling. So it's a strong performance. It's just not the rest of the movie is so flaccid. There's not enough moments of him Really going insane to like make the whole movie interesting, so it's like he's pretty good, but it, it, it there's not a lot around it for me to care uh and again, beverly d'Angelo I, I agree with Joe is very charming, but there's just
2: not much here we haven't really talked about Joanna Cassidy, who plays the uh, female uh detective in this, and right. honestly, there's not much to say about that performance. I mean, we see her sort of pursue. The uh, Beverly D'Angelo's character Alma, but you know, there's not the character's very stock. We don't really get to learn anything about her, uh, aside from the the kind of novelty, at least in, in terms of how this movie is structured, that she's a female private detective. But that feels kind of, uh, you know, of its time as well. I don't think anyone would her, be surprised now.
0: Her genes are very 90s. They I are very that 90s. Was that, inter- that's that was a, an interesting choice, I guess.
2: That's a good observation there, Liam. Uh, <laughs> okay, so. I feel that both Beverly Beverly D'Angelo and Eric Roberts are strong performers who are better than the material in this very stock standard plot of this movie. And I think both of them, uh, Beverly D'Angelo to a lesser extent because i actually don't really blame her for not putting a lot of, uh, of, of, uh, I don't want to say the word effort. I, I mean, a lot of kind of A color to this uh, performance Because there isn't much really to do But these are two actors who are sort of desperate To do something a little more interesting Than what they're actually provided with And uh, this is a movie that, that, that sort of disappoints them But that does bring us To the very topic of this podcast The very slogan that we live by Starting with our guest Joe Yannick Joe, is Eric Roberts the fucking man In 1991's Lonely Hearts? I
1: have to say, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 1991's Lonely Hearts.
2: Seems very confident, very uh, very straight ahead. I really like that. I like when people are just definitive and they don't uh, uh, dilly-dally or or waffle like one Mr. Liam O'Donnell. Liam, is Eric Roberts <laughs> the fucking man in Lonely Hearts? Well, the thing... No, yeah, he is. Okay. Look, you know what? I like to think that even after this this experience of watching this movie, which none of us, I think... But Bo- We didn't all love it We didn't really enjoy the whole thing for the most part There were probably aspects that we enjoyed Other things probably not so much But we can all come together on the fact That in 1991's Lonely Hearts Eric Roberts is the fucking man And I think we should leave it At that We're going to take our final break And when we return we're going to have a little talk with Joe We'll do some plugging And we're going to say goodnight Good night <laughs> tomorrow And that was episode number 80 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to give a massive, humongous, gigantic thank you to our guest, Joe Yannick, for taking some time out of his increasingly busy schedule to talk to us about a classic Eric Roberts piece of cinema. Joe, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, what you've been up to. Where can people find you online? Uh, what's the best way to keep up on what you're doing next?
1: Um, I guess... You know, check out. I would say check out Yellowvale stuff instead. I never like post on Twitter or anything. My Facebook's pretty much my private thing. Uh, so, like Yellowvale Pictures has a Twitter. Uh, we're on Facebook. We'll be out there. Go to our website, yellowvalepictures.com Just check our shit out. Uh, that's kind of like the best place. I mean, obviously, I'm still behind the scenes at Cinepunks, but I'm. I don't write so much as more. I haven't really been editing so much either. Sorry, Liam, but I'm. I'm <laughs> getting back into that now.
2: I mean, you're a little I busy a little right
1: job. now. A I busy. know, but now, now I finally left my full-time job, so uh, I'll be less busy.
2: I just want to throw it out there. I think Joe is one of the most conscientious and interesting people that I know through social media. I really am a big fan of your POV, your point of view generally, and I really have been really pleased to see your recent success. So all the best to you, Joe, and we hope we can have you back on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man in the future.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, me and James should come on. We're, we're going to, uh, again, get the Small Screen Cinema TV Movie Podcast. But there's so many TV movies, so I think we should just do, like, a, a dual episode and we can both come on. We'll- we will talk about a TV movie that stars Eric Roberts.
2: Uh, well, there's a few out there, and I don't want to speak for Liam, but we're going to do it. Right, Liam? Oh, definitely. <laughs> and, of course, we'll link all of those uh, uh, sites that you mentioned, uh, Joe, and locations online in the show notes. Liam, CinePunks.com. Yay or nay? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to say, but I think I'm going to have to go with yay. You know, the time that we're recording this, Liam, I have a brand new article, or I should say, I, in conjunction with another writer on your uh, your site, have a new article up on uh, Cinepox. Yeah, part of your uh, Pasolini project. Mm-hmm. The, the res- retrospective of uh, Piero Paolo Pasolini, the famous uh, Italian director. We're going through his work in uh, chronological order, and I'm having a, a terrific Time doing that It's a They're sort of in Conversational style We have a conversation And then uh, uh, Transcribe it And uh, I should mention That Adriana Gober Is the person Who actually does All the work on that But uh, we're having A terrific time And I think They read pretty well Yeah I've enjoyed them Well Uh good for you Liam Good for you But Liam what else Is going on?
0: Uh not a whole lot. We just recorded a, a new episode that you were a helpful part of because <laughs> you, you gave us a copy of uh, Science Craze. Or you gave me, actually. They had their own. But, I actually gave you a copy uh, of
2: both of the movies that you watched. for. Yeah, a- I
0: was going to say. And uh, Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mentioned you on there quite a bit, which I try to avoid doing. But uh, this time I did.
2: You know... So on this episode of this podcast that you're doing, Liam, which I'm sure people can go over to cinepunks.com and check out once it's available, you do cover one of my favorite movies, which is the Canadian <laughs> movie from 1991 called Science Craze, which I brought up a couple of times on this show previously. And I think you might have mentioned actually earlier on this very episode, Liam. I did. Uh, now, again, I don't want you to spoil anything about the episode, but did you enjoy the movie?
0: Um, I'm going to go with no. Mm, it hurts my feelings. Uh, I don't. I, OK, let's put it this way. I appreciated seeing it, and parts of it I found amusing. But I also, uh, <laughs> our guest who chose the movie Isaac, referred to it as a, a, a kind of weapon. That parts of the movie are
2: basically weaponized. Yeah, it's a know? weaponized movie. Absolutely, that's a very good way of putting it.
0: Yeah, he 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 was like he he said. Uh, what did he say? It, he he said he said in certain moments this is a very abusive movie and by that I don't mean misogyny or domestic violence I mean the movie is abusing you yeah, yeah. it is putting you and that's I've watched a lot of I've way more this is actually fun to do and a fun episode to do because Josh's experience with micro budget cinema is zilch he's never watched <laughs> anything like either that's my of these wheelhouse movies. bro. <laughs> He's never, never seen anything like it. So that was a fun conversation to have with him as someone who had no idea. But for me, I've seen quite a few things. I don't know. The, at Once I finally figured out that there is a sense of humor to the movie, you know, like there's details to the movie. Like w- the police officer is in the video pit. Why the, why the fuck is the cop in the video pit? You know, things like, things like that that made me think, okay, th- there's some thought to this. Then the parts of the movie that are punishing... I, I, there's some part of me that almost wants to believe that that's on purpose, but I, I suspect it's not. There's a quote but from is, me,
2: Liam, on the DVD case. Over, I saw that. I saw script. that. And also, I've it is quite an experience. It's I've, a unique I've de- experience. I've described the movie as the cinematic equivalent of Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music, and I stand by that. It's a, it's a punishing experience, but you're never the same after watching it.
0: I think that's probably true.
2: Liam, where can people find you on the internet? You're at, uh, on that Twitter, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, I mean they should probably just follow uh, Cinepunks, mm-hmm. but if they want, they can follow me as well. Uh, Liam rules. R U L Z? Liam
2: rules. R U L Z on Twitter. Of course, uh, you can find links to that on man dot com. That's the Uh, website for this podcast you can find previous episodes you can subscribe to us on itunes which i would appreciate if you did hey why don't you leave us a review on itunes we'd appreciate that very much as well you can also find eric roberts is the fucking man on twitter e-r-i-t-f-m and on facebook just do a search for eric roberts is the man on there you can of course find me on twitter as well at doug underscore tilly that's t-i-l-l-e why? And uh, of course, you can find my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which does indeed focus on micro budget cinema over at nobudgetpodcast.com and on Twitter at No Budget Podcast. But I think that is all there is to be said and all there is to be plugged. We're gonna be back once again in just a little bit with another Eric Roberts classic. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is a
0: fucking man. Eric Roberts is a fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do Eric Roberts fucking can